Greetings and salutations to you on your Thursday afternoon. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Jake Durant, sports guy at Local 3. Glad that you're with us. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. No complaints. Uh, you know, baseball season's underway. we got the NCAA tournament. Michigan State's still still rolling, yes. unfortunately. 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 Um, just kidding. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the NBA's going. Playoffs are soon. Still got the NBA draft. I mean, it's it's all everything's good in the sports world. I, I, like I, I have no complaints. I like it. Michigan State, like you said, is still playing. The Tigers didn't have high hopes for for this year, but look at them. Look at the start that they've gotten off to this year. Brewers, of course, are still doing their own thing. And as I, I've talked to a few Brewers fans, and they say their bullpen worries them, even though they're like six and one to start the year. I think they take more solace in the fact that they do not have the Cubs bullpen because you're waiting for that thing to implode night in and night out. It's about the epitome of unreliable. Uh, by the way, the Tigers winners today. They just went final. They beat Kansas City 5-4. to four. So Detroit 4-3 and three to start 2019. Yeah, um, and I was reading up on them a little bit. Uh, last season, they lost 47 games by two runs or fewer. Mm. Um, this season, all of their wins have come by two or fewer runs. So maybe you you start to think maybe they figured things out. They've grown a little bit. They know how to you know uh, produce in these high pressure situations, and and maybe they're learning how to win a little bit. We mm. can only hope. It's still early, I know, um, but it's it's very uh, it's it's what word am I looking for? It's encouraging. That's the word. Right. Um, early on to see the team go on the road and be able to win in in some uh, tough ballparks and then come back and obviously uh, give the Tigers fans something to uh, cheer about with the win on opening day there at Comerica. So yeah, it's a it's a good start. I'm not gonna you know say anything crazy, but it's it's nice to see. How weird is it that again it's still early on and very rarely will you win the season in the first few weeks of it uh maybe you could lose it in the first few weeks and it's debatable but how weird is it the way some teams have started like the twins are doing pretty good to start the tigers are doing pretty good the orioles are pretty good some of these teams that were not supposed to be very good are off to good starts and then the yankees as decimated as they are struck out 18 times by detroit pitching last night boyd had 13 gays boston's not off to a very good start it's like the power's are struggling in the early going, and some teams that haven't been very good recently are off to good starts. Right, and I, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like well, with the expectations coming to the season, maybe they get to the teams a little bit, and the and the teams who are really just playing with house money, no pressure, just come out loose and, and you know get things rolling a little bit early. I do think um, some of the teams that are expected to be good and be in that conversation late in the season, I think they just got to figure some things out, and I think they'll be back. We'll see see the hierarchy kind of take shape. Um, but, yeah, it, it's fun to see. I mean, I, I, I'm interested in, you know, I like the underdog role. I like to see teams who, who aren't supposed to be good kind of um, outlive expectations and do better than, than previously thought. So it's, it's encouraging to me to see the Tigers do well. And, and I don't really have a baseball team. I know I say this all the time, but, um, you know, I, I like to root for teams who, who aren't supposed to do what they do and, and win. And, um, yeah, it's good to see. I'm all right with the way things have started, especially for the Yankees. I never like wishing injury on anybody, but I always like seeing the Yankees struggle. You know, uh, Unfortunately, Miguel Andahar, one of the top young players in the game, it looks like he will be out for the rest of the season. A really good rookie, uh, excuse me, a second-year player at third base for them. I enjoyed watching him play. Uh, you know, the Yankees didn't go out and aggressively pursue Harper or Machado, and I know a lot of their fans are frustrated at that, but... 
Oh, well, I mean, the Yankees not making the playoffs? Again, way too early to speculate that. But if they don't, I won't shed a tear about it. I mean, like I said, I have nothing against the Yankees. Um, I do like Aaron Judge. I'm a huge fan Mm -hmm. of him. Um, You know, I know a lot of people don't like the way they do business or the way their formula of winning, um, you know, just trying to buy players and things like that. But, um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who don't like the Yankees. And um, I honestly think it's better for the game if the Yankees are in it just because, you know, you got something to talk about. They're one of the, the, the biggest franchises, obviously, in the sport. So um, I don't hate the Yankees. I don't like them. But I'd like to see them do well. We had a problem with the commercials that were uh... – kept going on for a little bit i think we got that figured out though now uh not the only thing going on in local sports uh legion of hockey american legion hockey the marquette junior wildcats the post 44 14u bantam double a team uh went down to south bend indiana they qualified for nationals and they opened the tournament with a 4-2 win over new jersey today four different goal scores for the wildcats down at compton family ice arena on the notre dame campus so good start to the tournament for the junior cats yeah congratulations to those guys uh that's, that's huge man anytime you can go and and play your way to the national stage that's that's pretty impressive so um hopefully they have uh continued luck and they can and they can get some uh some things done there well i tell you what uh the tigers continue to do their thing the lions are looking at whatever their thing is uh they made a pretty big signing earlier this week with cj anderson they're able to pick him up I was a little surprised it took him this long to get a team as effective as he was during the postseason for the L.A. Rams, but I think this is a really good pickup for Detroit. Yeah, I mean, he he had a weird season where he was in Carolina, and uh, he wasn't producing, so they, he got cut, and then obviously he went on to the L.A. Rams and, and really filled in really nicely for Todd Gurley, who went out with a, with a knee injury. He was averaging like 100 yards a game and a score. Um, and, you know, he's just one of those guys that's low to the ground, you know, a bigger guy, but he, he brings a lot of power, and, and uh, he played himself into a, a contract. And um, I think he does fit in well with, with the Lions. You know, they, you got Carrion Johnson, who's kind of the lightning, and then you can bring in Anderson, who's who's a little bit of the thunder, I guess you could say. And, and obviously they have a running back by committee approach there in Detroit under Matt Patricia, so the more bodies you have, the better. Um, I think it was a solid signing for for Detroit. You only hope that he can return to that form he had early or later on with the Rams rather than, you know, that early uh, run he had with Carolina last season. So I'm definitely crazy, uh, you know, to think where the Lions have gone. You know, they didn't have a running game just a few years ago. They were they kind of had, you know, they had that string of where they didn't have a rusher, rush for 100 yards for so many games. But now they, they seem to be getting things together. I, I kind of like what they're doing there um, in the backfield uh, there in Detroit. Well, they have Carrion Johnson. He's a guy that's really burst on the scene. Looks like he'll be a fun running back to watch over the next few years. Uh, you've got guys like Matthew Stafford. Still got some weapons over there. And Stafford, I still think, has something left in the tank. General Manager Bob Quinn said that they are looking at shopping the number 8 overall pick this year. You wonder what the Lions are looking to get position-wise, where they're looking to build. They uh, they seem to have a quarterback they like. It came out that the Dolphins made them an offer at one point to try and get Matthew Stafford. Apparently last season they ag- uh, aggressively pursued him, but the Lions didn't see something that was worth trading Stafford for. So they like who they have at quarterback. They seem to have upgraded at the running back position. They've got a few guys that can catch the ball. They don't have, certainly, uh, without Golden Tate, that hurts. But 
uh, between Jones and Holiday. They've got a pretty capable group there. What are the Lions looking for out of this draft? Because apparently, if someone's going to make them an offer, you know they're willing to listen. I don't know what their biggest need is in this draft. What do you think? Um, the more and more I think about it, so they sit at number eight there, and that's right on the the line of getting you know one of the the best guys, you know, those blue chip guys that can come in right away and, and really make an impact. You know, you're kind of walking that line. And, um, you know, guys like, uh, obviously, Bosa is not going to be there. Quinnen Williams isn't going to be there. Josh Allen probably won't be there. Um, Ed Oliver, who's looking like a stud, probably won't be there. Kyler Murray's not going to be there for you. Um, I think edge rusher is really what they're looking for. And when you're talking about Josh Allen being gone, Bosa being gone, those are the guys that are are can't miss guys. Um, when you talk about the second tier guys, that's kind of the line you're walking on. You got like Montez Sweat, um, you got Brian Burns from Florida State, guys like that. Uh, if Devin White's there, I can kind of maybe see them stay pat. But early indications seem that he's going to go in probably the top five. Um, but I think they definitely need an edge rusher. It would make sense for them if you got like four or five guys that are somewhat similar, you know, bigger guys, lengthier guys that are fast. Why not move down a couple spots, especially if you talk about, you know, teams wanting to move up to get a quarterback. There's always teams, you know, um, wanting to get rid of too much to get up there and grab a, and grab a quarterback. So um, I guess it all depends what the New York Giants do there at number six. If they don't take Dwayne Haskins and you're a team like the Washington Redskins, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and you want to move up and, and jump each other to try to get Dwayne Haskins, say, um, the Lions are in a perfect position to to make that happen and, and, and make the trade. Why not move down a couple spots, still get a guy who can help you on the edge or something like that, get a second-round pick. Um, another position the Lions need is a cornerback. There's a mm-hmm. bunch of corners. you got Greedy Williams there who should be there mm-hmm. even early in the teens. Um, Byron Murphy's going to be there. Um, DeAndre Baker from Georgia is going to be there. All these guys are, are similar guys. You know They're very productive. Um, I think they're going to be solid solid uh, players in the NFL. So why not move down a couple spots, get a, a Get your cornerback or something like that, or your edge rusher. Get a second-round pick for another position. You can still get really good players early in the second round, mid-second round, impact players that you can you can fill. So you can potentially you know fill the cornerback void. You can potentially fill that void and then have two second-round picks. You could get an edge rusher then. There's going to be a lot of guys left. Maybe get another weapon for Matt Stafford. I think that's a need as well. Um, you know, I think those are the biggest needs. Uh, you know, edge rusher, cornerback. I think you got to get a wider, another wide receiver. I know they like what they got there, but, but like you said, Golden Tate's gone. You want to get another weapon. Um, you know, any basically any defensive line position you could use. I mean, there's a lot of holes on the Detroit Lions roster, but it just makes more sense. I, I think that's why Bob Quinn's out there saying, "Hey, let's, I'm open for business," because I think it's best for the organiza- organization to just move down a few spots gain a couple picks and, and, and see how that works. The blueprint's there because the mm-hmm. New England Patriots do that all the time. Um, I'm not saying every, you know, obviously the New England Patriots are a unique franchise, but they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they go and, and get people that it might not fill the biggest need of the team, but it seems to be working out. I think maybe that's the approach they're going to try to do. They're getting all these Patriot players. Why not start doing what they do, the Patriots do in the draft anyways? Well, they got a bunch of them, and they reunite with their old head coach and Matt Patricia, who, again, is kind of bringing that Patriot style, that draft style, and the way that they acquire talent. So they are in a situation where they're maybe not trying to hit a home run with their number eight overall pick. Maybe they're looking for some veteran guys if they want to make a playoff push. Right now, Vegas has them going seven and nine next year, and maybe Bob Quinn is in win-now mode. You know, They wouldn't be a team that people are expecting to uh, for that to be the case. Maybe he's looking to get an offer he can't refuse for that eighth overall pick because, again, based on what the Lions need, 
they don't need to be drafting that early. Their biggest needs can be filled later on in the draft, late in the first round, early in the second. So if they were to give away this number eight overall pick, what should they be expecting? I mean, should they be expecting a couple of picks, like late first, early second? Uh, should they be expecting cash? Should they have some kind of mix between a veteran players already in the league and some picks, what have you? What would be acceptable for the number eight overall pick? You know, obviously – Teams are going to be desperate. I think you could you could take swap first round picks. Whether you know if you swapped the thirteenth pick for the eighth pick, do that, and then I would ask for you know a second round pick uh, on top of that, second or third round pick. I think that would be you know to just move back a couple spots. And if you're still guaranteed to get a guy that you really want, I don't see why why that would be a huge issue. I think that'd be a home run because I mean I'm. The second round is still very a very valuable round. You can mm-hmm. still get, you know, um, I always go back to the Green Bay Packers. They they get guys like Jordy Nelson, the Devontae Adams. Those are all second round guys they, they picked up. So um, those are very valuable picks. If a team wants to get rid of, if he wants to swap first and give me a second, I'm down to do that just to move back a couple spots. And I still get my guy. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to me. And then now I'm filling more holes with, with better with better talent. And like you said, I think Detroit's in win-now mode. And it, it's solely based on the fact that Matt Stafford's not getting any younger. You know, if, if you weren't in win-now mode, you would have traded Matt Stafford to Miami if, if the deal was good enough. So, um, obviously, they're still feeling like Matt Stafford's the guy. And they got to bring as much talent as they can around him to try to, you know, make one final push at this thing while Matt Stafford's still in his prime. If a team were to offer you a second and a third in exchange for the number 8 overall pick, would that be good enough if you're Bob Quinn? Or do you say... 86 the third I want either a player or cash with your second I would I would take the second and third would you yeah I would do see I'm, I'm more about the picks man I think the picks are more valuable than mm-hmm. you know unless you want to give me a player that that can start maybe I'll think about player maybe you know money is whatever but you know I want these picks you know you want to get enough picks because then you have a little bit of ammo to even move up if you wanted you know with with the the pick or something like that so um, yeah, I just think I think if I was offered a couple multiple picks, I would take it. Jake Durant from Local 3 TVs in the studio with us. We owe you our first time out. When we come back, we preview Michigan State ahead of their road to Minneapolis this weekend in the Final Four. Coming up next in the Sports Pan on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're along on this Thursday afternoon. Feels pretty nice outside. We woke up to snow yesterday, but I tell you what, man, I haven't been using my coat very much earlier today. It's been been pretty nice out there. You get a sweatshirt on, feels like spring. Yeah, I mean, the sun's out. I wish it was a little warmer, though. Mm-hmm. I could definitely use a little bit. I think it's supposed to get up to, like, maybe the 50s yeah. um, in the next few days, so I'm going to take it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's not it's not running weather for me. No. I like to get out, and I like to run. So that's when I know, it, you know, when the weather's nice, when I go outside, I'm like, oh, I can definitely run in this. Mm-hmm. I've been actually going to the Dome um, here in Marquette, just running around the Dome as oh, many times as I can. So yeah. um, that's kind of been my, my uh, answer to this up and down weather. 
Well, I tell you what, uh, Michigan State has not been up and down. They've been pretty consistent, riding steady through to the Final Four, and they're going to be tipping off this weekend. Weirdly enough, they get the late game that starts at like 8.45, even though I think that's the better game. That's going to be past a lot of people's bedtimes out here, but that's going to be the game that I'm most excited for, Michigan State and Texas Tech. I really think that will essentially decide the national championship. I think those are the two best teams that are there. When you look at the chart, that America's rooting for. They did a breakdown state by state based on uh, data they've collected from the internet, and 27 states are carrying Michigan State. Michigan State, I should say, is carrying 27 states as the favorite to win the NCAA National Championship this year. Every school took their home state. Texas Tech took Texas. Auburn took Alabama. Virginia, of course, took Virginia. Uh, Iowa went to Michigan State, which is interesting because they're conference rivals. Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pen- uh, Pennsylvania, too. All these uh, towns with big, or these states with Big Ten schools are backing Michigan State in this one. So it's kind of cool. The Big Ten hasn't had a champ in about 19 years. I think Michigan State in 2000 was the last one. And they're all backing each other, you know. I know I don't like to take a lot of stock in those conference stats. You know, I'm a Notre Dame guy, so I'm, you know, not anti-conference, but I'm okay with uh, letting letting go of conference ties. But whatever's happened in the past doesn't affect who is on the floor right now. So I never really like to take too much uh, stock in conference stats. But it's kind of cool to see the Big Ten seemingly rally around and want to bring a championship back to this conference. Right, and I always think back to when Big Ten basketball was almost like a joke when the ACC was so dominant, but it it is nice. You know, I always tend to back uh, Big Ten schools when they're playing. Um, You know, when you have the Big Ten ACC tournament and things like that, obviously I'm rooting for for Big Ten teams because, you know, that's the the conference I grew up watching when you talk about Michigan, Michigan State, and and Wisconsin even, and things like that. So um, it is really cool to see, and, you know, I'm almost at the point where, I'm in that same boat where it's like I almost just want to root for Michigan State. As a Michigan fan, you know, I'm, I'm a Tom Izzo fan just because of his UP ties and things like that. And he's a, he's a great coach, obviously. Um, it's it's so hard as a Michigan fan because I do want it's, – it's Michigan State. You know, at right. some point, you know, at the national level, you want to root for, the, you know, your home state team. Um, so, yeah, I do would like to see Michigan State go on and, and get it done. It's been so long, like you said, 19 years. Um, obviously, Tom Izzo looking for a second national championship wants to kind of validate his legacy. Um, he said it himself. You know, he he's not trying to win this one for for other people, but he really wants this for himself to just kind of validate that first one that he got in 2000. Um, and it's been something that's been driving him since that 2000 national championship. Um, with that being said, I'm still rooting for Texas Tech. You know, they took down they took down uh, Michigan. It was an embarrassing performance by the Wolverines. Um, and, and you know that that team's so good on defensively. The team's so good. They're so unique. You know they got NBA talent. Um, I think do think you know Michigan State. They're a better shooting team than Michigan. Michigan had open shots in that game, and I'm comparing it to the Michigan game, obviously because that's the team I root for. But mm. I think Michigan State's a better a better. Uh, shooting team the Michigan from beyond the arc and things like that they're going to obviously have to hit the open shots when they get them um but I, I just think they have the x-factor they have Winston uh, I think he's he's just playing at an all-time level right now he's you know obviously uh, an all-american player um and and they just they just seem to have that momentum um I think it's going to be close 
but but like you said, I'm gonna have to back with all of the other states here in the Midwest, you know. And and if Michigan State does beat Texas Tech, I'm probably gonna have to root for Michigan State in the national championship. I'm rooting for whoever wins that game, regardless, because I, I again I want to cheer for Michigan State as a resident, but I like this Texas Tech team. I mean, they're a likable underdog team, and it's fun seeing Texas Tech being at the national level like this, especially the way that they play basketball is so much fun. Uh, every state in the Midwest, by the way, except Wisconsin, our neighbors should be noted, they are pulling for Virginia as a whole. And honestly, I know Virginia's favored by a lot of people. I think Virginia's the least likely of these four to win the national championship, to be honest with you. I think Michigan State, Texas Tech will decide who wins the title game. But Auburn's playing so hot right now, which is weird because they should have lost in the first round. If New Mexico State didn't airball that shot at the buzzer, Auburn should have lost. Or even if that guy doesn't try to kick it out, he just goes for the layup. Auburn shouldn't be here. And yet, here they are, blowing teams out like Kentucky and Kansas and North Carolina. Right. Um, and sometimes you just got to get lucky. They obviously got lucky in that first round, and it kind of set them on this path toward to the Final Four. Um, I always think back to that SEC championship game versus Tennessee. I mean, you know, they just couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got players all over the floor that if they get going, man, they're they're just streaky shooters. And um, obviously after that first-round game, the team started getting hot and going on a roll. They, I think they lost their best player. Yeah. You know, so they don't, they're not even with uh, – you know, they don't even have their best player, and they're still doing this. Um, you know, I wouldn't be totally against a Texas Tech-Auburn national championship. The just because ratings you know, would. Just, the NCAA would, but I, for me that's crazy because those are two teams you wouldn't expect. No. Um, I know when we did the bracket show a few, a few weeks ago, you know, t- we were talking a little bit about Texas Tech, and, you know, they had a shot. Obviously we didn't think they were going to get this far, and Auburn was one of those teams like you know you never really know there was a handful of those teams that you know had the potential to do it mm-hmm. um, but now we're actually seeing it um, you know I, I know the NCAA is shooting for Michigan State Virginia national championship I wouldn't mind seeing Texas Tech Auburn I like Bruce Pearl you know just two unlikely candidates fighting for a national championship I think that'd be cool um, you know I'm any of these teams really it would be interesting to see if it was Texas Tech Virginia I think that'd be a good good national championship game but um, yeah I mean I do think the, the the team that wins this Michigan State Texas Tech game will be the national champions, like you said. I said earlier I don't like conference ties stats. You know what has to do with past conference representatives, but I'm going to give you one anyway. When Michigan State won their last national title back in the year 2000, which was the last time a Big Ten school did so, a five seed from the SEC, which just happened to be Auburn, survived an upset scare in the first round and moved on with a one-point victory and got into the Final Four. Actually made it to the championship and got beat by Michigan State. So history could repeat itself in some way. It's kind of weird. That's pretty weird. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's just meant to be. Who knows? So I don't know if that has any indication on things or what, but... Mark it down. State's going to win it. State's going to win it. It's, it's already history, in writing. Yeah. It's in writing right now. History tends to repeat itself in some ways, huh? Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, uh, Matt Painter got named Coach of the Year by the Coaches Association. Not the same as the AP uh, recognition or what a lot of the major outlets are going to recognize, but Purdue's Matt Painter is the Coaches Association Coach of the Year. You know, he did a fantastic job with what he did at Purdue, and he's been building this for a long time now. He's the second Purdue coach to ever do it. By the way, the only other school that has multiple coaches to win the Coaches Association Coach of the Year Award is Kentucky. So only two schools have ever done this. 
I mean, it's I wouldn't say Matt Painter's not deserving, but I think there are a few coaches who are a lot more deserving, Tom Izzo being one of them. Chris Beard is my pick for Coach of the Year out of Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument for any of these coaches who are playing in the Final Four, obviously, for Coach of the Year. I, you know, Matt Painter did a really good job. Um, obviously, they, they shared a, a Big Ten title this season. Um he did you know he lost a lot last season he lost i think four starters yep. very good starters um you know obviously to graduation and things so um you know he's coming back with basically a completely new starting lineup um you know purdue i, I didn't expect them i was one of those those guys who thought purdue were, were going to get knocked out early on in the ncaa tournament they had a nice uh, run they have a, a good player in edwards who really balled out this year um, you know, for just expectations, I guess he, he exceeded them, got the Big Ten title. I think it was the first one in almost two decades for Purdue. Uh, he did all right. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he has a resume. Right. You know, you can argue that, okay, that was pretty good. Well, and save you know, for a freak circus shot by Virginia, they would be in the Final Four, too. Exactly. Yeah, they lost to a heartbreaker. So um, they very well could be in the, the Final Four as well. So, uh, you know, I can see why he got the award. But like you said, man. Any four of these coaches that are still playing could, could could also have an argument as well. You know, I guess that's what voting's for. And um, I'm not going to say he's not deserving because he very well is. But right. um, and my pick would be, you know, I think I'd pick Tom Izzo. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pick against him yeah, I mean, right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you took down Duke. You know, you you made this run. Um, you know, you fought injuries all season. Um, you weren't supposed to be here, and and there you are. You're here, and and you're doing it again. So. I think he deserves it as well. We might learn a lot about who's going to win Coach of the Year in this Michigan State-Texas Tech game when Tom Izzo and Chris Beard go up against each other. Might not only determine the national champion, but maybe the winner of Coach of the Year. Tonight, there is a national championship that will be awarded, the NIT Championship at Madison Square Garden between Texas and Lipscomb, the tiny Nashville college with its most famous alum, Thomas Rhett, is going to play Texas tonight for an NIT championship. It might be worth a little bit of the watch. I might flip over to it in the final minutes. I'm not going to sit there and watch all 40 minutes of the NIT title game, but, yeah, I might watch the ending of it if it's close. I mean, you know, these are two teams that barely missed out on the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think Lipscomb lost in, like, their conference championship game, mm-hmm. you know, or else they would have been in the the, the championship game. Uh, they, there's there's players, you know, that are really good players um, on both sides, obviously. Um, so it's it's good basketball. I, I, I kind of wonder, like, if you're the players, like, if you win the NIT championship, like, what is the feeling? Obviously right. you're happy, but it's not the NCAA tournament. So you're like, okay, we just won that. We should be playing in the NCAA tournament. I'm not really sure. I, I mean, a championship's a championship. Right. You still have to go and beat these teams. Um, and it's not easy. Obviously, both teams are have gotten by a few close games. But I was just wondering, as a player, like, what do you think? Like, how fulfilling is it to win the NIT? It's like I just, I just don't know. Well, and I wonder with Lipscomb because you mentioned they almost got the automatic berth by winning their conference title game. Came up a little bit short, and they've been playing well in the NIT. They are a six seed in the NIT, and thirty-two teams make it. You've got eight teams in each region, so there were over twenty teams who would have had an at-large bid before Lipscomb. Yet, here they are playing for a championship, and the team that they ended up losing to in their conference title game that went on to the national tournament is out in the first weekend. So which would you rather have? Would you rather go to the national tournament and then quickly get sent home? Or would you rather come up a bit short and then dominate the NIT? 
It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a good question. Yeah. I think I'd rather just go to the NCAA tournament and just try to at least have a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I get knocked out, it's like, all right, we were a low seed. We weren't supposed to win, but you're playing a you know you're going to be playing a number one seed. You know, and, and things like that. I would just want that opportunity to maybe upset someone on the biggest stage, which is the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm not saying like going through the NITs. Obviously, they're going to be good memories for these players. Not taking anything away from the accomplishments because you still got to go and win these games, mm-hmm. and it's still against pretty you know good competition. So, for me, I would want to just take a worse chance at an NCAA tournament game and at least be in the conversation of like the best of the best. Gonna watch it tonight. Thinking I'm gonna, maybe I, I'm gonna might pull it you know some, similar to you. I might check out the the last few minutes. Yeah. I don't think I'm gonna. I saw Texas play a couple times this season, just randomly. They were just playing on ESPN, and I actually watched them. Um, so I'm, I'm a, you know I, I I know what they they got. So I'm probably gonna be rooting for Texas tonight. I, I, I don't know if a lot of people know where Lipscomb is or who they are, what their colors are. They wear purple. They're the Bison. They're in Nashville. Uh, but if they win, they're gonna start to get a little bit of recognition. And there's going to be a lot of Google searches tonight. Lipscomb University or Lipscomb College. You're going to be trying to figure out who that is. I uh, tell you what, if you're not going to watch that tonight, here on ESPN Radio, we're going to carry the broadcast on ESPN UP. The Warriors visit the Lakers at 10 o'clock tonight. You can hear that matchup going on a limb and picking Golden State to beat wow. the Lakers. That's, that's why they pay that, me the big bucks here that, on ESPN hey, that's, a, that's a hot take. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to just second that. I'm going to have to agree. Um, I, it was funny, uh, you know, us talking earlier, and you brought that up. I thought you meant I was like, yeah, they're going to win the national, or mm. they're they're going to win the the world championship. Yeah, they probably will. They they probably will do that too. Yeah, they will. Um, but you know, the Lakers obviously are in shambles. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of questions. LeBron gave up on them. You know, I, I I might just tune in just to see the dysfunction that is the Lakers, and and just to see maybe Golden State dominate. Um, I'm just waiting. I'm ready for the NBA playoffs. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's, it's not going to be a great game. I think the Golden State's going to win it. And yeah, I, you know, I I like seeing. I like. I actually am one of those people that like seeing the Lakers just just have a terrible season. I don't know. That's just how I feel. <laughs> if you're going to have a bad season, might as well you might as well like make it really bad. And that's kind of what we've been seeing. We've got Curry, Durant, Draymond, Clay going up against Caruso. Uh, Zubak, whoever's left there in the Lakers. LeBron's out, Ball's out, Ingram's out. Uh, there's not many recognizable names left on that bench. So it, we'll see. Uh, it could be a tough scene. I will say, though, the Warriors are starting to get pretty nauseating for me. I know we need to take a break, but i I got to get it off my chest anyway. I'm very much okay if they get OKC in the first round. If OKC gets the 8th seed, because that would be a horrible draw, it could very well go to six, seven games, a one-eight matchup in the first round. I mean, the Warriors, I mean, come on. They're just starting to get nauseating. They come up with fake enemies to motivate themselves, like how the world is against them. And, you know, I just, it gets it gets old after a while. Yeah, the only thing, the only way that, that uh, Golden State is going to, to not capture the championship this year, I think they're going to have to hit seven games in, in almost all of their series, you know, and, and, exert a lot of energy and maybe you can tire them out you know it's kind of like a a final boss battle in a video game you got to just keep chipping away keep chipping away and hopefully the final team that meets that meets the 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 boss which is the warriors maybe they'll just have too many chinks in their armor um you know i don't wish injury maybe they need to suffer an injury or something you know some team's gonna have to get lucky to knock this team off 
Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We owe you a timeout just across the bottom of the hour. When we come back, more dysfunction inside the Packer locker room. New report on Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Plus, Robert Kraft and his legal team now believe they are going to get off. We'll tell you how next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Here is your Sports Center update. The Kansas City Chiefs have signed former Apollo, uh, let's try that again, Orlando Apollo's cornerback Keith Reeser, making him the first AAF player to be picked up by an NFL team since the Alliance suspended all football operations earlier this week. The Texas Rangers infielder Elvis Andres has chosen Baby Shark as his walk-up song for the upcoming season. You've got a daughter. I'm sure you've heard that song more than you'd have liked. A lot more than I'd like. I do not. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Baby shark. Don't, 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 don't. It gets stuck in your head. I, I don't want it. For my And finally, I need your help with this one, Jake, because I found three stories I couldn't decide between. I decided to give them all, and you got to tell me your favorite. Um, number one, an El Paso neighborhood suffered heavy flooding this week, only it wasn't water, it was soda. A vat at a local Coca-Cola factory began leaking and flooded nearly two blocks of residential and private property. Cleanup crews have been mixing the spilled soda with dirt in an effort to make it easier to clean up. When asked about the incident, a spokesman for Coca-Cola answered, no comment. That's one way to share a Coke. That is the absolute worst. You yeah. imagine like how sticky? Yeah. And, oh. I mean, like... Uh, your basement flooding with water is bad water, enough. It makes water then, sound really, really right, nice. Right, but then sticky soda, like, and all the ants and everything it attracts, that sounds uh, horrible. Uh, uh, although with Coke, they're going to have a major PR mess to try and clean up. After orange vanilla Coke, I don't feel a bit sorry for them. They deserve every bit of this. I have yet to try that. Is it good? No, I'm not going to try it. Oh, it looks okay. terrible. <laughs> An Iranian man was arrested after he attempted a robbery. He paid $500 to a man whom he believed to be a wizard. The alleged wizard promised to turn him invisible so that he could be a successful bank robber. He walked into a bank in plain daylight, believing he was invisible because of a wizard's magic spell, began taking money out of patrons' hands, and was quickly tackled and detained. Wow. He was arrested and then said, I realize now I've been tricked. Listen, I haven't heard the last one, but that one might have to go because that was, that is, what? He thought he was invisible. He thought wow. a wizard cast a spell to make him invisible for 500 bucks. So wow. it's like that Chinese emperor, like that story about the robe or whatever. Isn't that, I don't know. I heard that story once you, a long time you would ago. Think, now, I know the guy's probably not smart, but mm. you think you would try to test it out before going into the bank just to make sure you're actually invisible. I don't know. Crazy thought. And finally, a police officer in Sweden is making headlines after setting a record for the... Oh, you better finish your drink before I say this. Um, a police officer in Sweden is making headlines uh, after recording the most naked arrest in all of law enforcement history. It occurred while both him and the fugitive were in the nude. The arrest occurred in a local sauna where the cop was sitting down relaxing when he recognized a wanted man in there with him and their lack of clothes and sweat did not stop justice from being carried out. So those are your and finally choices. For so today. many jokes I do not want to say on air. On that one. Oh, I'm going to have to go. I got to go with the wizard. Yep. They're all pretty interesting. 
Man, a crazy world we live in. Ah, uh, man, people are stupid, but that makes our job fun. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I tell you what, uh, here's a few other things we probably can't say on air, but we'll say a little bit. Robert Kraft. Uh, so his new line of defense, I just want to say I was right about this a few weeks ago, where his defense attorneys believe that the DA was willing to offer him a deal to drop all the charges against him if he would say that he would have been convicted in the court of law. I said, they're doing this because the video is illegal. It's been illegally obtained. And that when they didn't accept the deal, Robert Kraft and his team was calling the DA's bluff. Robert Kraft and his squad are contesting that the police used a fake bomb scare as a reason to install the cameras in the massage parlor. They say that the police concocted a story about a bomb that gave them access to the uh, to the massage parlor, and that's when and where they set up the security footage that ended up catching Robert Kraft. So he's choosing to go to court, and based on the way the law's written, he's probably going to win it with this. I mean, the video might hit the public and could absolutely shred any little bit of dignity he has left, but in the legal eyes, he's probably going to win this case. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I first heard that when this story first broke, I also thought, like, how... Is it okay that they obtain this type of video? You know, obviously guys and people in this parlor who don't obviously have no clothes like it, it just doesn't make any sense. That doesn't seem legal at all. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm going into a parlor that's supposed to be like, you know, a private place, mm-hmm. I hope there's not video cameras. I'm not saying I'm going to take part in anything like this, but, you know, you'd hope there's not video cameras no. all over the place. Maybe off, I can see if there's video cameras up front you know, in front of the opening, but not in the actual massage place. It just seems like a more intimate place where no camera should be. Well, and the police are able to enter this video as part of public record, so it could very easily make its way out to the public. And if someone like TMZ or Deadspin gets a hold of it, then there's it's out of everybody's hands. And, you know, to understand these things happen and then to actually see it, to visualize it and comprehend it that way are two different things. We all know that Robert Kraft is kind of a scumbag for what he's done. But if people actually saw what happened in there, I mean, that shreds his dignity beyond repair if it hasn't been already. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's not his biggest worry. Is His biggest worry is getting off scot-free in the judicial system size, if not the public size. Right. I mean, when it comes down to it, like I said last week, at the end of the day, this guy's a you know billionaire, owns the Patriots. You know, he you know an older guy he really has nothing. You know, I'm sure he doesn't really care what people think of him mm-hmm. at this point. I think it's more of a just an ego thing, like saying, hey, like I'm not going to lose this. You know, if he comes out on top, I mean, I think he's come to grips with the fact that people might see this video, but he wants to be right when it comes to the legal aspect of it and i think you know that's where he's kind of you know trying to like i said boost his ego and just try to win it out just to do it and obviously you know you don't want to deal with all the ramifications they found guilty as well the unfortunate part of this you know besides what's already happened the really unfortunate part about this you know we knew robert Kraft was going to suffer from this whether he's found guilty or not because of public perception but You know, it's not just a lonely old man going in for a good time, but this was a place that was found to be part of a human trafficking ring. And if this evidence does get thrown out, the whole case may end up getting thrown out. So it's not just a bunch of lonely old men looking for, you know, a good time or something. I mean, this is something that, you know, people are being sold, you know, and that's... 
that's the unfortunate thing is that we really had a chance at maybe bringing these people in and getting some justice in the world and that that's in jeopardy right now right and yeah human trafficking is is a huge issue that not many people really know a lot about i mean people you know people are disappearing every single day not to be heard from again you know cuz they get they get thrown into like this human trafficking ring and you know they can they can never get out of it so that's the unfortunate part definitely that you know they're not going to be able to bring some people to justice and things like that so it's it's tough man it's tough but you know it's just the way the the system works Last thing before we go to break, we talked about Michigan State basketball quite a bit. Football's been making some news. The Spartans are going to be replacing the grass at Spartan uh, Spartan Stadium after the spring game, which is coming up. They are going to be selling sections of the Kentucky Bluegrass Field. For $10, you can own a nine-square-foot section of the field. That's a pretty good deal. Seen a lot of good football since 2001 when it was put in, so... Ten bucks, you can get a piece of Spartan Stadium, put it in your backyard, step on the same place Kirk Cousins did. Put it in in the area for my dog to go and, (laughs) you know, do what they need to do. I'm just just kidding, just kidding. I tell you what, uh, if you're a Spartan fan, it might be worth looking into before they uh, get new grass out there in the football field this fall. Uh, Coming up, more on the Aaron Rodgers-Mike McCarthy saga as we finish out the workday. You're listening to Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you with us. Don't forget Warriors Lakers on ESPN Radio tonight at 10. We'll be carrying the broadcast. And congrats once again to the Marquette Junior Wildcats. They are at the American Legion Hockey National Tournament in South Bend, Indiana today. They open with a 4-2 win over New Jersey. Well, yesterday we had Rob Domofsky on Packers Beat Writer for ESPN.com talked about the tell-all interview that he had with former head coach Mike McCarthy who expressed uh, disappointment, should we say, at the way that the Packers handled his firing. And now we're finding out all sorts of stuff what went on behind the scenes and how dysfunctional this Packer locker room and team really was that Aaron Rodgers said that he was going to freeze out wide receivers if they chose to listen to Mike McCarthy over him. Like we knew, we knew Rodgers did not listen to McCarthy, but we didn't know that he was telling other receivers that if they listened to the coach instead of the quarterback, then he wasn't going to throw the ball to him. Equinemia St. Brown was one of the receivers who, uh, came out and said, especially during that New England game, was when it really boiled over for him, when he really got frustrated. Uh, and then Mike McCarthy was skipping team meetings to go get massages. I mean, I want to think about McCarthy getting a massage, and yet I can't get that image out of my head the last few hours. I, from what I understand, he was getting massages in his office, mm. like in his actual office right before the meeting. Sounds so, like that could have been... I'm, I'm back and forth on this because I, I, I kind of feel for Mike McCarthy at some points and then I'm, I'm kind of understanding like mm. Mike McCarthy maybe isn't this perfect coach that many he wants to lead on to believe. And no. then obviously I knew Aaron Rodgers had his quirks and you know things like that. But I mean, at some point, it's almost like Garrett of him always holding that over McCarthy's head. Right. McCarthy said, hey, Alex Smith is a better quarterback. Like that's so long ago, dude. You've mm-hmm. proved your point. Like, He's so sensitive. Like it, it gets to an annoying point sometimes. Um, so I'm back and forth. I, sometimes I feel for Rodgers, and I understand. Then I, sometimes I'm like, okay, they did do Mike McCarthy dirty there a little bit. You know, I was at the, the Cardinals game right yeah. after that. He got fired, so I got to see a little history. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The floodgates have definitely opened. 
Um, and I can see, I do agree that Mike McCarthy's system, he didn't want to change it. I think there was, there's just a lot of ego going on. Um, you got to obviously work with the personnel you got. Obviously, they were kind of getting a little stale there. I think it, it's good that Mike McCarthy's obviously gone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're equanimous Sam Brown, I wouldn't be like talking about that type of stuff no. right now. He's not, obviously he's not like, you don't want to get on Aaron Rodgers' bad side, especially when you're a receiver. You know, at this point, you're so young. I would just keep my mouth shut. I don't know why he's out talking like that. Um, you know, Greg Jennings has some, said some stuff. Uh, a lot of people, were, you know, Ryan Grant, a uh, former running back for the Packers, uh, was stated saying some things as well. I knew it wasn't perfect. You know, there's uh, every so, once in a while there were some rumblings of of this dysfunction, but it was a lot worse than I even imagined. And I'm just kind of glad that hey. Somebody had to go. Obviously, yeah. McCarthy was was first up, so he's gone. Hopefully, him and Matt Lafleur can get off to a better start than they they have. But it, it was doomed from the start, from what I heard. You know, when Mike McCarthy said that he would have picked Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers, that right there was already. Yeah. You know, Aaron had it in his head that you know once he kind of was like, I don't really like this guy. It was there, and he was just kind of waiting for McCarthy to get fired at that point. You know, luckily they went on to actually win a Super Bowl, so that that maybe prolonged things, but. I mean, it was it was pretty bad. That was it's interesting to see. You know, on the outside, it didn't look too good. It looked like, you know, they're a they're a franchise that has together. You know, they're very in year in year out, but behind closed doors, it wasn't that great. I think both of them were at fault, Rodgers and McCarthy, and I think both of them handled it poorly. Obviously, one of them had to go. They couldn't continue to have this kind of relationship, and McCarthy was the guy that was going to get going. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, you talked about how McCarthy picked Smith over him, and he felt like he had something to prove. You know, Rodgers is a guy that I, I do believe talent-wise he is the best quarterback in the NFL and maybe of all time, and there's a lot of people who would say the same thing. You know, I, I respect Tom Brady, what he's done, but if I had to pick between the two, you know, I would pick Aaron Rodgers to be my quarterback. He almost seems insecure in a way because even though he's probably the popular pick between him or Tom Brady talent-wise – Brady's got the rings to back it up. He's got him beating that category six to one, and I think Aaron is a little bit secure about how he's going to go down and secure. Excuse me about his place in history in the greatest quarterback of all time conversation. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that him, the relationships that he had with with the coach. I mean, Belichick and Tom Brady, they they know how to push each other. They stay in their lanes, and things get done, and they're working towards that ultimate goal of winning. The Packers, that you know, they they kind of kept themselves let's be honest green bay should have won more than one super bowl in that era let's be honest at least two Mm -hmm. at least and you know just ego got in the way and things like that but i agree with you i think um you know aaron i I, you know aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback i'm just gonna throw that you know when you talk about you know the way he throws the ball you know all the the attributes he has i think he's a better quarterback than tom brady tom brady just has the better system, not saying anything taken away from Tom Brady. Tom Brady's really good, mm-hmm. but I mean, you put Aaron Rodgers in the Patriots system for how many years? Would we, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers will win just as many Super Bowls, right. to be honest with you. So, um, unfortunately, you know, things that didn't have anything to do with football were getting in the way from from their ultimate, you know, what they could have achieved in that multiple Super Bowls. I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to get another shot at a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Packer fan. I think he'll get one, at least one more good shot at getting to a Super Bowl and winning one. So um, with Matt LaFleur, hopefully he can pull it off. Um, it's, it's hard to say right now because I haven't seen Matt LaFleur in the way he coaches, but I just have a, a, a feeling. 
He was on my radar when he was with Notre Dame for one year back in 2014. I, I think he's a smart coach. I don't know how he's going to gel with Aaron Rodgers. They're about the same age, but he knows what he's talking about. I think he knows his offenses very well. Right now, I know there's a lot that can change with the draft three weeks from tonight, but right now, Vegas is the Packers going 9-7 and seven next season. Does that sound about right to you? Sounds about. I mean, yeah. I mean, it sounds about right. Nine and seven. Um, I hope there's a little bit more wins than that. But mm-hmm. um, right now, I, I, you know, there's optimism. Obviously, change is good in any situation. Um, so Matt Lafleur just needs to go in there. You know, get his system in place and, and really try to build, uh, start building the relationship with Aaron. When, if I'm Matt Lafleur, I'm letting Aaron kind of run the show, obviously, to an extent. Um, obviously, putting in my system and things like that, but. I mean, you really don't have to do a lot. You know, the guy's a really smart player. Uh, you know, you kind of just have to sit back and kind of ride the greatness that he is and, and just make sure that, you know, your offense is being utilized the best way possible. And, and you know, they're working on their defense. You know, Mike Pettin's a really good defensive coordinator. You know, I think things are looking up in Green Bay, um, especially from where they were. I can't get the image of McCarthy getting a massage out of my head. Why I really why, wish I could. Like, really, why couldn't you just do that after the meeting? Right. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, and I just, I don't want to think about, you know, McCarthy. When, if you read in on it and hear, you know, Mike McCarthy had this, like, really big ego thing where he thought his system never had a change. And they were mm-hmm. talking about how he would always say, we could play double headers and not have to change a thing. We shouldn't have to run any other plays. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how good my system is. It's like, dude, you've only won one Super Bowl. Obviously, it's not working. Um, you're not moving the ball anymore. You know he never changed. I think as a coach these days, you got to be you got to be open to change and you got to be innovative. And that's why you're seeing all these young guys come in because they're not sold on a system. You know they're sold on X's and O's for sure, but they're they're willing to change things up for the the better of the team. They're not going to stick with the same thing. And that's when you talk about Sean McVay. You know you're working with the personnel that's high octane. Um, you're not just doing the same old things. Everyone knew what the Packers were going to do. And, and they didn't want to switch it. I knew what the Packers were going to do. I, I could. There was points where I was calling out. I knew what plays were about yeah. to be ran. You know what I mean? I'm like, and and it's, it was crazy, man. It was just it was hard to watch. You didn't have to be Romo to know what they were going to do at times. And you know, it just there wasn't a lot of creativity in the playbook. And that's not to say McCarthy's playbook couldn't work elsewhere. But with Green Bay, it just wasn't going to be a fit. And they weren't going to get rid of Rodgers. But one of them had to go. Yeah. I mean, and that's the management, you know, that was kind of like the, oh, I don't know what to do here. It's kind of tough because they were still winning games. They were making the playoffs and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it definitely wasn't going to be Rodgers. It was McCarthy. And, and I'm just hoping that, you know, you can kind of learn from this and there's not going to be that, that grudge from right off the jump with Lafleur. And I'm just hoping that synergy can come and they can create a little magic. I'm hoping, you know, Lafleur is the next guy. Maybe they can lead him to a Super Bowl and get Aaron at least one more. NFL draft three weeks from tonight. Can't wait for that. Another thing that's a huge thing for Green Bay. They really got to nail these draft picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, these especially these early picks. They got two first round picks. They got a lot of holes to fill. They need guys that can come in and and really help them out right away. They need to find Aaron some protection. And um, you know, the draft is huge. A lot of teams are in that position where they're right there, and you know, the draft is going to be it's it's going to be crazy. It's it's really important this year. Sounds like a fun night in Nashville. Uh, and again, if you're Part of Golik and Wingo's contest. You can check them out at 7 and 9 a.m. each day for a chance to win a trip down to Nashville for the NFL draft. That is going to do it for us on this episode of the Sports Pen. Appreciate you as always. And next time we're talking, we will know 
who is the NCAA college basketball champion, the NIT champion. Uh, we'll know a little bit more about the NHL, NBA playoff scenarios, what have you. Should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, a lot of, a lot of things to be worked out here, but it's a great time of year, and I can't wait to, to come on next week and talk about it. That's it for us in the Sports Pen. Thanks again for tuning in. Back on tomorrow for Eastern 3 Central on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen.